What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock
welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, we kicked off the show today with the great Flo and Eddie. I don't know if you know those guys or not by that name, but if you remember the band The Turtles from the 60s, basically the same band. That's Flo and Eddie, a.k.a. Mark Volman and Howard Kalen. They have sung background vocals on a lot of bands in your catalog. A lot of stuff that you own, that's Flo and Eddie in the background doing those great background vocals. Massive talents in their own right, associated with Zappa, Alice Cooper, so many people. So that song right there was called If We Only Had the Time. That was the kickoff track from their second Flo and Eddie album, which came out, I think, around 1973, I want to say. That was a song that they wrote because they're just great songwriters as well on top of everything else. And that album was produced by Bob Ezrin. Yes, that Bob Ezrin of Alice Cooper, Kiss, Pink Floyd fame. So he produced that album, played piano on the album, like he generally does on the albums that he produces, and bringing in some hired guns here and there. We'll talk about all of that here during this episode, because this episode is a Bob Ezrin-only episode, because every one of the songs on this episode were songs that were produced by Bob Ezrin. This is a request show I got from friend of the show, Christian Castro, my favorite T.A., and he bought a shirt and a button and he's always been like the coolest guy. Like I dig the PMZ sins. And the first time he reached out to me, I was having a really terrible day and it really turned me around. Simple as that. So he's the man, Christian, always happy to do a favor for a friend. And I've been, you know, of course, thinking about doing an Ezra episode for forever now. But when he said he wanted me to do initially my 10 favorite Bob Ezrin songs, and then that kind of turns into, are we just talking Kiss or Alice songs especially? Like, what are we doing? So I figured it would be easier if I went the complete opposite directions. This is going to be all Bob Ezrin produced songs from albums he produced uh, specifically or the majority of. But I'm including no Alice, Kiss, or Pink Floyd songs on this show. So I went with the other stuff, the stuff that he's not as known for doing. So that kind of ties in pretty well to Rock Strikes Ten in a sense, even though going against the Alice and Kiss grain, but this is a good way to do it, I think, and it shines a spotlight on some other records that you should definitely check out, like that Flo and Eddie record. And of course, Steve Hunter and Dick Wagner are along for the ride as session players on that record as well. And you also heard the great Ansley Dunbar on the drums right there, who's played on Zappa stuff as well, but he was also in the Spiders from Mars. Uh, he played on that great classic 87 White Snake record. That guy's been around. I could probably do a whole Ansley Dunbar episode. And I know somebody requested one at one point. And if you're still listening, let me know that you are. I know who you are. But let me know if you're actually current again. Okay. That all being said, getting back to Bob here. And I almost opened the show with Train Kept Rolling by Aerosmith. There's a bit of point of contention that Bob actually produced that song at least. There, I, I've heard in different interviews and podcasts over the years and wiki articles, non-wiki articles, a lot of people say that Ezrin produced Get Your Wings. Uh, I say he probably produced some of it because replacing Joe Perry and Brad Whitford with Dick Wagner and Steve Hunter is a Bob Ezrin move. He definitely did train Captain Rowland because that's the case. But I feel like a Seasons of Wither is also a Bob Ezrin track. So like I said, I think he did some of it. If, you know, maybe not all of it. 
Maybe he did. I don't know. People really don't like to come clean with things like that still for some reason. But I like the way this show kind of pans out because there's like two songs in a row that are kind of similar to each other and then the next group and then the next group. So it's going to focus on different eras of Bob's career. These first two don't really tie in that well, but it's kind of the early days of Bob uh, venturing out a little bit and not just doing Alice Records and then the One Kiss album and stuff like that. But the Flo and Eddie thing, apparently this album was specifically produced so Flo and Eddie could go open for Alice Cooper on the Billion Dollar Babies tour. So that's pretty neat. Uh, but getting over to this record right here from five years later in 1977, a lot of people probably still don't realize that Bob produced this album. It's a great sounding record. And of course, this guy doesn't do anything half-assed as records go. And I'm talking about Peter Gabriel. If there's a If there's a word for studio artist, it's definitely Peter Gabriel. I mean, this guy... Definitely a true artist, and man, he always has the best talent that money can buy on his records. The people that play on the majority of the album, people like Robert Fripp, Tony Levin, Alan Schwartzberg, who Kiss fans know that guy because he played on some of the Elder and Animal Eyes. Uh, but yeah, like Bob Ezrin produced this. Of course, Steve Hunter and Dick Wagner show up at some point to be on the record. And so this has kind of helped me narrow down because it's a classic record. It's a really good record, so I narrowed it down to like the most Bob Ezrin track in a sense. So I'm going to go with this one. You got Lee Guitar by a friend of the show and the late great Dick Wagner right here. Uh, this song right here, it's what a killer guitar solo, but it's also got that classic Peter Gabriel sound. So it's just kind of the best of both worlds to me. So check this one out. Great headphone track as well. This one is Here Comes the Flood. <laughs>
see The actor's gone There's only you and me And if we break before the dawn They'll use up what we used to be Man, sheer greatness right there. That might be my favorite Peter Gabriel track of all time. It's really hard to do better than that, honestly. And I dig a lot of his pop singles and everything, but Here Comes the Flood is a goddamn epic. That's so good. And just ultimately, the icing on top is the Dick Wagner guitar solo right there. And Bob Ezra did a great job. That was on Peter Gabriel's first solo album. It's called One Officially, I believe, but it's the one that has the car on the cover. And it has Salisbury Hill on there if you need help uh, even further than that. When you hear that acoustic guitar on Salisbury Hill that you hear like every other day, that's the great Steve Hunter right there. So the other half of that killer, amazing, legendary guitar duo right there. Speaking of those guys, yes, the next twofer is going to be from the two different solo albums produced around the same time as that Peter Gabriel album, sometime in the late 70s, 77, 78 era. And of course, when it came time for Steve Hunter and Dick Wagner to do solo albums, 
why wouldn't you call on Bob Ezrin? It makes all the sense in the world, right? Like, I definitely think Bob would have been justifiably pissed if they hadn't asked him to do it. <laughs> so this next track is going to be a twofer. I'm going to do this in, I call it Train Kept a Rollin' order. So going back to talking about Bob producing Train Kept a Rollin'. So it's, it's entire studio fabrication. It's not live ever, even though that second half sounds like it's live. It's just canned applause and it's recorded and mixed to sound live after that studio half. So I'm going to do it in Train Kept a Rollin' order. The first one we're going to focus on is Steve Hunter, who plays the lead guitar on the studio half of Train Kept a Rollin', and then the live version is Dick Wagner. So we're going to start off with Steve, finish up with Dick. So the Steve Hunter track is from his album called Swept Away, and as you would expect, if you're a fan of guitar work, you're going to dig it. It's not like a virtuoso album or anything, but... There's some real tasteful playing on both of these records. There's three notable cover songs on Steve Hunter's album. Eight Miles High by The Birds, Going Down, which I don't even know. I think it's a traditional credit at this point, because I don't think anyone knows who wrote it. And I played some Beach Boys-related material on the last episode, the Taylor Hawkins tribute, and you never have to twist my arm to play any other Beach Boys-related stuff for the most part. So I figured I'd go with this one right here to kick off this twofer from Steve Hunter's solo album, Swept Away, Here's his instrumental interpretation of one of the great Beach Boys songs of all time. This is Sail On Sailor.
I'm all alone with my radio on, listening to every song they send out on the airwaves. Don't stop the music, 'cause it's the only thing that gets me through the night. Don't stop the music. It's the only thing that keeps her off my mind. I'm in my room like a child in a womb, waiting for one sweet tune to rock me like a baby. Don't stop the music, 'cause it's the only thing that gets me. Don't stop the music, 'cause it's the only thing that keeps her.
All right, the killer twofer right there from Bob Ezrin's two biggest ringers of all time. We started off with Steve Hunter, his cover of Sail on Sailor, doing like kind of a Jeff Beck-esque version of that with lyrical interpretation via guitar. Dig that. And we finished off with the great Dick Wagner and Don't Stop the Music. Man, that reminds me a lot of like a Jim Steinman song. I have no reference for credits or songwriting in front of me because I don't have that record physically because... It just seems to have disappeared off the face of the planet. We need a reissue of that real bad. I need some sort of cult label to do that. Somebody's got to pick this up and do it because, man, every song I've heard off there so far is just amazing. And, of course, love Dick. But, man, yeah, so Don't Stop the Music. That thing's excellent. Yeah, Don't Stop the Music from the Richard. It was originally called Richard Wagner when it came out. Not to be confused with Wagner. But they were definitely trolling it at the time because the cover looks like a classical album and the whole thing. So and they have the same first name. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, But I guess it's a funny bit at the time. So, yeah. All right, we're moving on to a different era of Bob right here. And I think one of the most head-scratching Bob Ezrin things, you know, at least uh, as far as, like, you listen to the album, it doesn't sound a whole lot like a Bob Ezrin record. Especially when you think about what he came off doing prior to this. You know, like going into the early 80s, Bob had just done a little bit of The Wall. You know, he'd done some more stuff with Alice, like his lost albums, like Dada especially. He did The Elder by Kiss. So, you know, this sound is definitely like an experimental type sound, you know, going off into a lot of different directions and tangents. And you hear an album like this, and it's it's pretty meat and potatoes so it doesn't really have any of the Bob-isms in it, as I like to say, but and that's not really a term. But uh, just the fact that this is one of my favorite bands of all time and they have an album produced by Bob Ezrin, that's good enough for me. So I'm including it here on the Bob Ezrin Show. So around 1984, the great Hanoi Rocks finally signs a deal in the States with Sony, Columbia, whatever you want to call it at the time. And they bring in Bob to be the producer. And I don't know if they just gave him a list of people and they were like, oh yeah, this guy. Because they love and know those Alice Cooper records. And maybe they know his association with Aerosmith. But it would make sense for Hano Rocks to be like, yes, we want that guy. So this album, Two Steps from the Move, definitely was supposed to be the album that broke them. And unfortunately, you know, the car crash happened with Razzle and it didn't happen for him. But this record kind of, you know, solidifies the what if factor. And definitely you could see where music was going, especially for like pop-based hard rock in the 80s. And Hanoi would have fit right in. They would have had many hit singles. They are one of the greatest bands of all time. Like I said, they completely bridged the gap between new wave and pop metal. So at least, you know, the Bob Ezrin produced album here, Two Steps from the Move. It's not a lesser record or anything from their originals. It, It does fit right in and it's definitely a 1984 record. And I'm picking this one right here because, honestly, it kind of reminds me a lot of Back to Mystery City. So maybe it was a leftover from that, but it really reminds me of a song like that. So, yeah, I'm just going with it because it's one of my favorite songs on the record. So, from Two Steps from the Move, this is Hanoi Rocks with I Can't Get It.
Right, that was the great Hanoi Rocks with I Can't Get It from their album Two Steps from the Move, produced by Bob Ezrin. I guess really listening to that song especially, I can hear like the guitars are much more epic in the mix and there's a little bit more of an echo and EQ on the vocals and the drums and stuff like that. So it definitely doesn't sound as much as the older Hanoi records, but the material is definitely still there. But I think it's a cool record. You should definitely get it. That's one of the more attainable Hanoi albums in the States. So get it if you don't have it for sure. And this next one here was produced a couple of years after that record. I'm sure it was worked on through most of 86. And man, this record just sounds like 1986. But I love that. 86 is a good year for me. I didn't know for the longest time that Bob produced this album. It wasn't until like maybe 10 years ago that I figured this out. But weirdly enough, there's one song on this album he really didn't have a hand in producing at all. Ironically, it was the biggest hit single from it. So in 86, Berlin... We're riding high again. They had a huge song called Take My Breath Away, and it was on this album here, Count Three and Pray, prior or just around the same time as its usage in the Top Gun soundtrack. That song was, quote-unquote, produced by Giorgio Moroder, who also co-wrote it, in quotes. I'm saying a lot of that in air quotes because I have heard at this time that Giorgio wasn't writing much of anything, and he was having his engineer do it. That's from artists that directly worked with him, so I'm not saying anything out of school. But Berlin's album Count Three and Pray definitely did well for them because of that usage of Take My Breath Away. But the rest of the entire album was produced by Bob Ezrin. Now, once I learned of this, I figured, okay, you know, I've got this album on CD. I'm going to take a look through the credits. I bet I'll see some familiar names and stuff like that. And, like, uh, I'm expecting to see maybe, like, a Tony Levin on here or, you know, especially Dick Wagner and or maybe, like, an Alan Schwartzberg. But definitely, like, a Dick Wagner and a Steve Hunter. they got to be on here, right? No. There are guest guitar players on this album, but it's not Dick and Steve. How's this for a random lineup? Elliot Easton of The Cars? David Gilmore, Pink Floyd, Ted Nugent. Yes, that Ted Nugent. And here's the only guest guitar player that didn't make me blink, because I guess he would definitely know this guy at the time. Kane Roberts, who was playing guitar for Alice Cooper at the time. Even though he wasn't producing Alice's records, he probably knew him. So there you go. Kane Roberts, Ted Nugent, David Gilmore, and Elliot Easton do guest guitar spots on this Berlin album, truly making it a Bob Ezrin production. But I figured if I'm going to include anything from a Bob Ezrin produced album, I'll try to find something that maybe he had a co-write on. And he had one on this song. And it's definitely a good enough song to make this show. So here you go. Here is Berlin with a little help on the songwriting and a lot of help on the production board. This is Heartstrings.
All right, that was Heartstrings by Berlin. You know, I actually like that song more and more the more I hear it. And kind of shocking that that wasn't a hit at the time. But, I mean, I guess Take My Breath Away was such a monster. That does happen sometimes where a song is so big that nothing else from the album can get over. And I think that was the case with that one. But I like that album, so check it out. That was Count Three and Pray, Berlin. Let me know what you think. But this next one right here, definitely a personal fave. And I think a lot of people might be surprised that Bob produced this. Some of this other stuff, it sounds like I don't think anybody that's appeared on this show so far has been any kind of surprise, honestly. Like there's been some sort of degree of association there. But, you know, getting into something like Berlin, maybe people are like, oh, I didn't know that. And I definitely didn't know about this one until even less than like a few years ago. I just found out about this. And I've always liked this record. And, you know, just looking at like who's involved with this and just the tone of the time, I think there were big plans with this band. For some reason, it just didn't happen. They were on Enigma, which, you know, you would think in retrospect, oh, they just didn't have the payola. But at the time, Enigma had Poison and they had Striper, who were both doing huge numbers at the time. So I just think that Hurricane definitely was in line to be a big deal. And having Bob Azrin produce the album, I even see here the engineer credits. Mike Klink and Garth Richardson engineered this album. I mean, you know, Giga Garth, yeah, that guy. And Mike Klink, who did some legendary rock albums. So, I mean, there had to be big plans for Hurricane. And for the most part, they definitely should have gotten over at least to a certain degree of popularity, especially at the time of pop metal and stuff like that, because they had the occasional song that was like, man, that's pretty damn good. And this one right here, probably their ultimate banger, if you will. Uh, this came out on this Bob Ezrin produced album in 1988 called Over the Edge, which actually does contain an Alice Cooper cover, their cover of I'm 18, which isn't very good in my opinion. So like, you know, initially, like you would think that would be the layup to include on this episode. But no, I, I just can't do it. I do not like that cover. But what I do like is the song that follows it. And I remember actually hearing this song on my AM Z-Rock equivalent in Abilene, Key Rock. They used to play this song all the time, and I had it on a tape from taping off the radio, and I love this song, still love it to this day. I'm sending this one out to anyone who remembers this song, and let me know if this is a debut for you, but this is definitely one of the biggest should-have-been-hit singles of the 80s, in my opinion. So here is Hurricane with I'm On To You.
All right, Hurricane right there with I'm On To You. Probably their best song right there. Should have been huge right there. But, hey, I know one person that's not really crying anymore about that, Kelly Hansen. That was Kelly Hansen, who is the current lead singer for Foreigner right there. Doing a great job, by the way, with Foreigner. If you can't have Lou Graham, Kelly Hansen has definitely earned his spot. He's been in the band for, I want to say, like 15 years or something at this point. Something crazy like that. Uh, but yeah, also, like at the time, the big deal was the fact that Rudy Sarzo's brother and Carlos Cavazo's brother were both in Hurricane. It's weird that like two different brothers from two members of Quiet Riot were in the same band together. But I'm, I guess, obviously, that's how they knew each other. But that, that album should have at least gone between gold and platinum, right? Am I right? Okay, all right. Moving on here, I think this next album actually did go gold because there was definitely a, a front-end fan base for something like this. And I think Bob Ezrin definitely helped out. It it definitely got the album sounding kind of the way it should have at the time because, you know, in the late 80s, you got, like I said, the melodic hard rock and heavy metal happening. But you also got the Led Zeppelin factor here with Kingdom Come paving the way. No, I'm just kidding. Not really, actually. The Kingdom Come album actually was a big record at the time. People kind of make fun of it now, but... I've been saying for years, after Greta Van Fleet, people need to apologize to Kingdom Come. But that all being said, I think it led to this album right here, Bonham, Disregard of Timekeeping, their debut album. And speaking of Kelly Hansen and Foreigner, you know, at one time Jason Bonham was drumming for Foreigner. I remember seeing him on the poster for the longest time. It's like, hey, if you got Jason Bonham, definitely advertise him. That's how big the Bonham name is, the fact that the band was called Bonham. I always wonder how the rest of the guys felt like that, but, you know, if the checks were clear, and I'm sure it was fine. But yeah, this album, The Disregarded Timekeeping, I remember reading at the time that Ezra produced this. I was decently aware of him at the time of this release, but, you know, years later, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, he did do that. And especially when you listen to a song like this, and the obvious thing would be to play, like, Wait For You, which is a fine song, but this one really puts forward, like, yes, this is a Bob Ezra album, and there are those albums more often than not that bob produces you're like oh yeah this is a bob album so i think you'll recognize some certain similarities to a probably one of the most popular bob ezrin songs of all time so i'll I'll let you guess it and then of course i'll come back with the obvious line afterwards but here is bottom from their debut album and this song is called dreams Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. 
Ah, uh, yes, with the very Detroit Rock City-esque intro right there. That was Dreams by Bonham off of their debut album, Disregard of Timekeeping, produced by Bob Ezrin, as if you couldn't tell. I love you, Bob, but yeah, wow. Okay, these last two right here are definitely more modern examples of a Bob Ezrin production, and two albums that I really immensely enjoy that I don't think really got their due from either fan base on the overall grand scheme of things. I could be wrong. I might just be out of the loop. But we'll start with this one right here. Round 03, I want to say. The comeback return of Jane's Addiction with their album Strays. And at the time, I was just over the moon with it. Even on the front end, I knew that Bob Ezrin had produced this album, so I couldn't wait to hear it. And... It's a Bob Ezrin album in the sense of maybe a lot of hardcore, old-school Jane's Addiction fans kind of don't like this album because it's it's such an over-the-top arena rock-sounding album. So that's probably where Bob is coming from on there. And it doesn't seem like the band is resisting all that much. I think this is a really cool record. Let me know what you think. But there's a lot of great songs in there I could play, you know, even the singles like Just Because and Superhero and stuff like that. But I'm going to go with this one right here. You won't hear this one on The Greatest Hits, which is a good Greatest Hits, but you won't hear this one on it. So I'm picking it for this particular episode. This one's called True Nature.
right, Jane's Addiction right there with some epic heroic lead vocals there by the great Perry Farrell. That guy can really well when he wants to. But yeah, True Nature from Strays. Great comeback album right there. I really dig it. Go check it out if you've never given it a shot. Here's another record you should definitely check out if you haven't given it a shot. I don't know how many of you out there are Deftones fans. I'm a decent fan of the Deftones. Like, half of their catalog is really, really, really good. Maybe it's the other half that's just kind of okay and has a couple of good songs. Maybe those are the albums you heard, but when they're good, they're good. When they're on, they're hard to beat, at least from an album studio band point of view. Not the best live band I've ever seen. Apparently you have to catch them early in their tour because they get pretty road weary. That might be Chino's fault, but this album right here, Saturday Night Wrist. I remember hearing at the time that this was coming out and Bob was producing it. And I was like, wow, that's, I can't wait to hear what Bob does with the Deftones. I was not disappointed. This thing is great. Like, I think there's only like really like one bum track on there and it's supposed to be a filler bum track. So I can kind of forgive it in that sense. But I just, ever since I heard this album, it's just instant love. It's so good. And it's very similar, if recent fare of the Deftones, like Koyanokin, it's very similar to that record. I think both of those records are really good. And I, I do put some extra respect on the Deftones because I truly feel that they created their own genre. And a lot of people try to get close to it, and they you just can't. You can't beat the original. So that's my opinion. But yeah, definitely check out Saturday Night Wrist for all those things that I just said. And of course, the cherry on top is the Bob Ezrin production. And speaking of cherry, the song is called Cherry Waves. Turn it up. Yes. 
Like I said, when they're on, they're hard to beat. That was the Deftones with Cherry Waves. Pure flight right there, especially when you get to the chorus. They just know how to build. That's good stuff right there. All right. And great contributions, I'm sure, on the record by Bob Ezrin. I know he played piano on it like he does on a lot of these records. Another great album for you to check out that you might not have known about. Maybe you're aware of it and you didn't know that Bob produced it. So I hope you've enjoyed this Bob Ezrin-centric episode in the non-obvious Bob Ezrin catalog right here. Let me know what you thought. Let me know what you checked out or maybe what you didn't like. I don't know. I just want to hear from you. Let me know you're listening. And like the great Christian Castro, if you'd like to get your show request on air, buy a shirt. Send me a PM and I'll send you a link. 20 bucks. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in the plugs. Actually, NOLA will talk about it in the plugs and sell it to you way better than I could. But the thing I could say on top of it is you can get a show request. So let's make it happen, shall we? Okay. First said plugs, I'm going to send you over here to my better half, Nola, with those new plugs, followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, our new kittens, Ruby and Ripley, get a treat. We're on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is rockstrikes 10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rock Strikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going back all the way to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. Talking Rock with Joey and the great Mark Streakle of Talking Metal. And the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRusa and occasionally Joey. Last but not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRusa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.